I was conflicted this week, much of the week, in, in uh, preparing for this Sunday, and I had two thoughts in prayer that had come to me, and, and uh, last night I was in a church service uh, somewhere else, and and I uh, kind of got my confirmation what I needed to do here this morning. So uh, then this morning it even uh, made more sense today. And I feel this is where much or many are. And I feel like it'll help somebody in the Holy Ghost today. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And straightaway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, It's a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, for it it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. He said, Come. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, began to sink, And he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. I want to preach here this morning from a very familiar, simple Sunday school lesson. There's power in the storm. There's power in the storm. Let's lift our hands and ask God to talk to us today. Lord, we need your help in this building today. Let your word, the only thing that can save, deliver, encourage, and give hope, let that word go forth with a clarity and an understanding and a power today that we leave this place today and know that we have had a visitation of you, by you, and with you today. God, I pray against every opposing force that would try to hinder your word. Let it go forth with clarity today. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. You may be seated. Everything about God I've learned is progressive. There's never a place in Scripture where God ever uh, stops. God is forever revealing himself to mankind. I, I can't find anywhere where he said... I want you to stop. I know many times some Bible scholars, you may go to uh, the Red Sea. God never told Moses to stop. That was Moses. God never told him to stop. He told him to go forth. Moses stopped at the Red Sea. God is always progressive. And God is always trying to move his people into new things of himself. There's revelation and understanding that he has not revealed all of himself to mankind. So if you understand there is a moment or a time in every individual's life that he is trying to move us to something that he has for you. To me it adds a whole new twist to living for God. Because our mindset is I just kind of live for God or I'm a Christian but yet I never move forward into what God has for me or a better understanding of God. And we kind of just grow comfortable in what we are. We are just a Christian or I'm just a member or I'm just a preacher or I'm just on and so forth. But if you understand God, that he has something new every day, then it brings a freshness to me in your walk with him. That every day I wake up, I don't wake up with the mindset that this is going to be the day of labor or this and that. But it's a day that God has made and God's got something for me in this day. I wake up every day and I believe it's the intent of God for his people that every day you and I wake up, the first thing on our mind is this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Not I will wake up and now I'll plan my day, but it will. I will wake up and give God thanksgiving and praise the fact that he gave me another day today to see something new in him. 
You and I understand and adopt that mindset which is based in Scripture. It brings an element of joy to life that we've never experienced. We look around us over and over and see such joyless expressions. We see the mundane look on people's faces and the frustration in the face. And it was never God's intent for that. That was never, that's not living contrary to what the world may say. The world may say you, you've got all this figured out and the house is together and the family's together. But if you and I don't have joy, what's the point in living? And he's trying to paint to us there's an ever increasing, ever revealing element of joy that every time you and I wake up you can see something in God you've never seen before and it brings a joy to life that you've never had before you don't get that from just stalemating doesn't come from just being comfortable it comes from understanding who God is and what his intent is for you and I so if I understand that God is forever trying to take me From level to level, grace to grace, joy to joy, revelation to revelation. Then it's only understandable that when I look at the word of God in situations like this. Why would God allow storms to come? Why would God allow the problems to come? Why does God allow when I'm doing everything I know to do? Now, for those that are not doing everything they know to do, then storms come to correct in that instance. But it's not always to correct. Sometimes it's to increase. There are two types and two reasons for the storm. If it's a storm of correction, God sees you and I going down a road that we don't need to go down then he allows problematic situations to come. He will allow circumstances to come because in an effort and a hope in God that he has in man that we will turn to him in the midst of that storm and let God have us a course correction in that moment. But if it's not course correction, what about for those that are doing everything they know to do? What about those that are Faithful to the house of God and trying to give God their best. And then you face the unsurmounting or the insurmountable tide that you and I face on a day-to-day basis. The mindset and the bombardment to the mind. The struggles that we see on the, the world scene. The struggles we see in the weariness of people's minds and hearts from labor or from school or from Our minds get so tired and so weary from all of this. The storm you would think would not come with all of this going on. Surely at this moment things are going good. I'm doing what's right. Why doesn't the storm come when things are just perfect or when I'm on my best game? But you see the thing about God is you can't determine when it's going to come. You can't dictate when it's going to come. But all you and I know to do and should know to do is that when it does come, God's got it all figured out. And if I just trust him in the midst of it, there's a power and a revelation of who he is that we have never seen before. Here's the faithful few, the disciples, the only ones that were going to go with him when nobody else would. These are the ones that stuck with him when everybody else would walk away. He would do a miracle and the crowd would leave. But these stayed. They were the faithful. They were the diehards. They were the ones that were there with him regardless. You would think that because of their faithfulness, God says, you've reached a day, you've plateaued. You've accomplished. You get a merit. You get a trophy. You get a badge. You're, you're free now from no more trouble, no more, because you've proven yourself to me. Let me help somebody. You ain't never going to prove it. Oh, you can do the best you can, but it'll never be perfect. I've got to just give him my best every day. 
And if I give him my best every day, when the storm comes, it's not like any other day. I'm still going to wake up and give him my best. I'm going to give him my best praise. I'm going to give him my best prayer. I'm going to give him my best energy. I'm going to give him my best. But you would think these little disciples that are so geared to, hey, we're right there with you in the midst of all this. We followed you when everybody else has walked away. You do miracles and you would think the crowd would stay with miracles. But the crowd don't stay for miracles. The thing that makes someone stay with him is one word. Commitment. Commitment. When you're committed to him, nothing can deter you from him. When you're committed to him, I think now men of, of, that are committed to jobs... That you've been there for 20 and 30 years. You're, you're committed to that job. Why? Because you know there's a payday called retirement coming way down the road for those that have it. If it's not that, what about other commitments? Mamas, you've committed yourself to raising them kids. We commit to something. And these boys had committed everything they had to him. But yet, in the midst of it all, Jesus said, I need you to get in the boat and I need you to go to the other side. Find that verse for me, brother Mike, brother, where I started. Matthew 14 in the very first verse. I don't remember where it was. He said, get in the boat. He said, I want you to go on to the, to the other side. There was nothing there in Jesus' approach to them. You think he didn't know what was ahead? He knew the plan. He knew everything that they were about to go into. They didn't know. And like many of you and I, God says come, God says go, but yet we never knew the storm that was only waiting for us when we embarked. And a part of that message last night, I just, I can't, that's why you can tell I want to preach both messages at one time this morning, but I'm hungry, so don't get nervous. I didn't eat breakfast. God always allows things to happen to prepare us for where we're going. He's always trying to bring us to a place that we didn't even know we needed to be there. See, we don't even realize how much of a deficit we're at in understanding God. We don't understand it. We don't even know at times what we lack in our prayer. How many times we've gone to God and we pray the same prayer and nothing happens, but then a storm comes. Did you notice your prayer change? It ain't no more now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. It's, oh Jesus, my boat's going under. I need help. Prayer changes things. You see, I would have never seen that. I would have never noticed it. I never would have perceived it unless he constrains you and I. He takes you, grips you, and makes you go into it. You say, well, God's just mean. That's what the world says. See, this is a side of them that they say, well, I'm fighting so much problems. I've heard that in preaching, preachers. We're fighting so much stuff right now. How are we going to do it? The church is in a storm. The world is in a storm. Families are in a storm. Our schools are in a storm. And we're trying to do everything we can to try to regulate it, legislate it, programs and plans and trying to get all this stuff in place. And I thank God for every effort. But you need to remember something. It's only man's effort. And it's only going to be a band-aid until the real thing he's after, he gets what he's after. He's after that heart. He's after a relationship with humanity. He's after going into these schools and not just giving them a program or going into a, a church and giving a program. He's wanting to come into me and your storm in the midst of it and become the man and the God that you and I know he can be. He can calm that storm and give you and I a power in relationship with him that we've never had. But if we're not careful when the storm hits, 
we start getting intellectual of how to figure it out. Some storms God allows to come, you ain't going to think your way out of it. And God plans it that way. And here's the beautiful thing. It's okay. It's okay. You say, well, you don't understand the pain and the suffering and the mental anguish I'm going through. I'm going to tell you again, it's okay. Because there's a power in that storm that it's going to bring to you that you've never seen before. And a revelation of God that you've never seen him at that level before. Not advocating, let's put up a sign and a billboard. Storms welcome here. I'm not saying give me another hurricane, Brother McNabb. I don't want one. Stay far from us. But if God says, I need you to get in that boat and I need you to go to the other side and he sent the multitudes away. You know what that tells me? He didn't put everybody on the boat. Because there's some people can't handle a storm. If you're in a storm right now, you ought to take enjoyment and a joy from this perspective. God trusts you. Because not everybody can go through a storm. I know people come to God, they live for God for about six months, they get the Holy Ghost, and a little bit of a storm comes, and they kind of go away. It's real simple. Their root system just ain't got deep enough. That doesn't mean God's done with them or they're over, and they'll never come back. It just means a storm that God allowed to come. They weren't ready for. Maturity level had not gotten to the place. That's where the church comes in. That's where the body comes in and helps people until that root system gets down. I'll never forget, Brother Tenney told a story about a palm tree. Why is it a palm tree can, can withstand hurricane winds? It just literally bows over and pops right back up. And they've said that when they plant those palm trees, they put the seed in the ground and they put a rock on top of that palm tree. And as that thing begins to grow, it begins to grow in a sense around it and eventually moves the rock. But the effect of the rock is it causes its root system to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the ground. That when the winds begin to blow, its root system is so deep that that the winds can't knock it over. I wonder what would happen to us as a saint or a Christian or living for God that if we would just let the rock of Christ, we let the word of God just settle in our spirit and say, you know what, God? I'm going to serve you with all my heart. I'm going to live with you with all my heart. I'm not going to fight your word. I'm not going to fight it no more. I'm ready to give in to the will of God. Your root system will go deeper. And when the storms of life come, you'll make it through. wonder if I want to dig or just keep going you see people see they, this is the part that they don't understand about a preacher I see what's coming not because I'm special but because of God's office and I see the storm that's brewing out yonder I see suicide coming I see a broken marriage coming I see kids getting hooked on drugs. I see it coming. And I'm preaching here this morning trying to tell somebody, if you prepare before that storm comes, you're going to make it through. But to those that are in the storm, to those that are in the midst of the battle, the storm, Jesus said, get in the boat. He sent them away. Next verse. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went to the mount apart and prayed. We talked about that on Tuesday night. If you want to know about that one, come on Tuesday, Wednesday night and we'll talk about that. Next verse. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea. And here's the picture. He said, get in the boat. You don't pick and choose sometimes where you go. Somebody needs to hear me in the Holy Ghost today. You don't pick and choose sometimes what happens. You think you chose, but God picked that. God picked where you. God orders the steps more than we think. 
because you make a mistake and you drop the ball. Well, God's done with me. No, he's not. God don't give up that easy. God don't quit on you and I that easy just because you make a mistake. He keeps reaching for you and he keeps working with you and he keeps trying to show you. I'm trying to bring you to an element of understanding of what I can do that you've never seen before. Ship now is in the midst of the sea. That sea was about seven miles in distance. The Bible says one account, I think it was John, said there were about 25 to 30 furlongs. Eight furlongs equals one mile. They were in the middle of the sea. Ooh. You ain't got time to go back and you don't know where you're going for tomorrow. You done lost your approximation of how far you've come. See, this is what I want somebody, if you don't hear nothing else I say, hear me in the Holy Ghost today. God planned it so you couldn't measure your accomplishment. He allowed the storm to come that you can't look and say, now I've made it sick, I made it three miles, I, I've, me- I've arrived now at a place. I know people like that. I've been around business and CEOs and CFOs, everything about them, I love them to death, but it's about measuring. They're in that world. Their mind is programmed to that. It's all about the net profit. It's all about the profit and loss. It's all about what I lost last month. What did I gain this month? It's all about these things, numbers. And they're measuring. And if we're not careful, we let the same mindset come to you and I. And we measure how far we have gotten in God. And what's the danger of measuring it, Brother Charlie, on myself? Watch. Look what I did. I did this. That's because I'm a great preacher. That's because I'm a great singer. Don't sing, Brother Morgan. That's because I'm a... See? And God lets a storm come that you and I are in the middle of that sea that you can't look over your shoulder. When you, when you study the winds, it says they were contrary. They were antagonistically opposed. They couldn't see nothing. The winds were blowing so hard. They couldn't see behind them. They couldn't see in front of them. And they toiled for hours. Now, folks, I ain't no sea-worthy man. I know there's a push button on an engine and you go. Outside of that, that's it. But to look at the stars and to look at the moon and figure out where in the world I am, God took all that away. And God lets things come into me in your life. That the thing that we trusted in, we can't find. We let that thing that I I could hold to and tie my mule to, like Brother Ewan would say every time, you can't tie your mule to, it's not there no more. That thing I could turn back to and say, I did it like this last time. You get in a storm and the the, the map and the pattern and the the ship log, it ain't going to work for this storm. Because the winds are so contrary. They're so opposing to these boys. They're tossed with waves. And the wind's blowing so hard. Now folks, just stop for a moment. Put yourself on that boat. One commentary says it was almost like eight hours. Nine hours. They worked. Have you ever fought so hard for something just to maintain your faith in God? And you're exhausted at the end of the day. I did everything I could just to keep my mouth closed. I did everything I could to keep my head straight. Come on, anybody, act honest today. I did everything I could just to do right today. And at the end of the day, I just kind of passed out. 
That's the storm that's coming against the church. And God has allowed us to be in a boat because there's an understanding that you and I don't have. He's going to give us an answer in this end time. He's going to give us an answer how to reach our lost loved ones. He's going to give us an answer. And there's going to be a power that you and I have never seen before. Don't curse the storm. Don't curse your day. But let God have his way and will in whatever you're going through. Because surely if you stay with him... You're going to get to the other side. And them boys are in the middle of the boat. I remember a time. You've heard me allude to it before. When I was in that car wreck. My skull was fractured from here to here. Bones in my ear were broke. Ribs were crushed, everything internally, internally bleeding. Spleen, liver, like a nuclear bomb went off inside me. Hip was fractured in four places. Couldn't walk, couldn't do nothing. They left me on that table, Brother Smith, basically to die. They said, we can't touch him, we give him four hours. If he makes the four hours, then we'll look at him. Outside of that... We ain't touching him. They left me on the table to die. She signed those death papers. He ain't coming out. We've seen people with less injuries as him. He ain't coming out. See, but here's what predates all that. That was on a Wednesday. That Sunday, we were in revival, Brother Mark Morgan. And in that revival, I remember, he said, we're going to battle. Is there any soldiers Is there any men that's willing to give their life for a spiritual battle? See, that's what it's all about. That's why people, it's hard for them to live for God because they're not committed to the kingdom of God. They're not committed to the purpose of God. They're more committed to their kingdom. So the storm comes to try to get us back to his kingdom. What do you think the storm in this country is all about? You think it's the chaos and all the politicians and all the craziness is out there just because? No, it's storms that God's allowing to come to our nation that we'll return back to what we started in God we trust. So it's course correction for that. But for me and you today, God's trying to show you and I, there's a power that we've never seen in the midst of that. I got up that morning, Sunday morning, and said, I'm ready to go. I'll never forget, I sat over on the stairwell at Eastwood, and I wept. And I literally felt this. I've never been in, 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 in the armed services like you men. But here's what I felt. I literally felt the feeling of, I'm leaving my family. I felt the departure. I felt the fact that I better get everything ready. And I, I better get, and would you know, that Tuesday night, before Wednesday, she cooked my, one of my favorite meals. She didn't just cook one. She cooked fried deer meat and lobster tail. Now, how's that for cow tongue? <laughs> lobster tail and deer meat. And I sat there, and I never connected it. But that morning, Sunday morning when I came home, I wept at the dinner table that morning. And I said, Rhonda, I said, I feel like I'm going to a war that I'm never coming home for. I feel like I'm about to die in battle. That was Sunday. She cooked for me my meal on Tuesday. And at 8.59 Wednesday morning, my little sports car, I didn't want to go. They were having an insurance checkpoint. Our ticketing, uh, our, our sheriff department in Lake Charles on Highway 90. And me and my dad is about to come. And I stopped right there at Highway 90 off of 210. And I stopped right there. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. We're late. I didn't want to stop. I had my insurance. And I did a U-turn. And when I did, a Z-71 hit me at 55 miles an hour. He hit me in the side of my door. I didn't have on my seatbelt, thank God. I love seatbelts, but thank God I didn't have it that day because it had killed me. It threw me into my daddy, and he was my airbag. I'm waiting on some of y'all to catch up. Sister Nixon, he's still an airbag. Oh, my Jesus. 
I love my daddy. And it threw me into him, broke his ribs. But then he, the next thing I remember is I'm on the asphalt and my daddy's slapping me in the face. Boy, don't you leave me. Boy, don't you go nowhere. Scott, listen to me. And the storm began. Heard people say, Brother Benoit, I want your anointing. Do you want that storm? I want to operate like you operate. Man, you see all these crazy things. I want to do that. I, I want to see in the spirit. I want to operate in the prophetic. Do you want the storm that got me? One time in all of that did we curse God and die. We kept going forward. It came close. Boy, it came close. Right before it ended. Is this okay? Everybody right me telling you this? Right before it ended. We had been about a year into it, give or take, about right. I'm in mean, about a year of it. We're living in Evangeline. That's where I, we were working, our homes, our job was. And I'm driving to Lake Charles every service to Eastwood, still going Eastwood. And uh, my body was in pain, Brother Daryl. We left there and I'm literally screaming and thrashing in that seat. We get to that church, she's in tears. I'm mad as a hornet because I'm hurting so bad in so much pain because of surgeries and this and that and on and so forth. And there I am in that seat thrashing. And finally I said, I'm done, I'm ready. I just, I can't go no more. So you think, I ain't never been through stuff. I know what it's like when you're at the end and you want to just quit. And I sat there and I said, I, I just, I'm sick of it. And tears in her eyes. She said, Scott, we can't. We can't. Thank God. <laughs> See, I wasn't raised in this. <laughs> there was an opportunity in life, Brother Charlie, to quit. <laughs> but she had a root system that went deeper than mine. She had a faith. I'm not trying to put her up or give her no medal today. This is the facts. She said, we can. I get out of the car. We get into the church service. And I'm mad as a hornet. I know none of y'all get mad. Y'all come happy and just smiling and halos and angels. I sat, Sister Melissa, and I was mad. And she sat by me. And about that time, service ain't started. I get a tap on the shoulder and one of the young ministers come. He said, Pastor, would I like to see you in his office? I'm like, okay. And I go. You know, that's how we do. We snort. What's he want? What's he want? And I sit down. She came with me. And old brother Ewan. This is what I said about a pastor, a man of God that can see things. He leans up in that rocking chair, Sister Agnes. And we sat in on that couch. And this is about the only time I can remember he ever got angry with me. Maybe one, I think once I, he sat up on that chair and he had a glass desk. And he slapped that desk. Wham! And he sat on the edge of that chair and he put his finger in my face and said, If you want to abort it and throw it away, you go ahead. But it's almost over. People would quit the church over that. How much do we trust the man of God? And I began to weep. And I began to tell him, I can't go anymore. I can't go. She can't go no more. I missed a window of my daughter's life. I don't even remember it. And in a week later, The storm will end. But you've got to trust that there's a power that will come to you when you don't know what to do. You may be in the middle of it today. You may just be starting and feeling the waters move. And the wind's picking up and you're going, uh-oh, I remember that from years ago. I don't know if I can do that again. 
Come on, who wants to get honest today? This is what I've said. Listen to, listen to this preacher today. I've said it. I'm 40-something years old. I sat and listened to my pastor last night preach his guts out. Watched him weep. Because I know, I've been knowing him now for 20-something years. I know his story. And there he wept last night saying, The storm of God's grace is sufficient. And I feel the same wind blowing against me. I feel it blowing against this church. And I'm telling you, don't base this storm on your last one. You're going to make it through this one just like you've made it through the past 50 storms. Regardless how far out at sea you are, regardless of your not ability, your inability to track what was stable. You know, many times I've told her, said, God, I wish, brother, you would was still here. I need that man. And what he represented to me, I could walk into his office and my world could be crumbling. But if I could just get in his office. There was something from that man that his walk with God. I know he's a man, but he had a walk with God that, that I knew he was talking to God. If I could just get in his office where he was, there would be a peace that would help me through the storm. I'm telling you, God is raising up men and women and churches that are going to go through some storms that are unprecedented. But you hear me, there's going to be a grace. There's going to be a power. There's going to be a strength. There's going to be a growth. There's going to be an increase in the midst of your storm. Don't you throw in the towel now. Don't you hang up your hat now. Just keep walking in the storm. God's going to heal your mind. God's going to heal your family. God's going to heal our our church. I would like to find, but you see, he's gone. And I'm not trying to live in the past, but here's what I am trying to do. If he had a hold of something then, and he, you could feel that, Brother Mike, when I would get around him, then if he had it then, then God's going to give it to us today. Because people are facing a storm in their marriage, their homes, their kids. They don't know what to do with their kids. They're trying to figure out how do I do it. And they're trying to find plans and programs and implement and trying to do this and that. And I thank God for every one of them. But you hear me. The best thing could ever be is the church that can say, we've been through a storm. My family's been through a storm. This family's been through a storm. And our kids are still here. They made it. What was that? What would that tell us? Get them to the house of God Get your child to the house of God Get your family to the house of God Because it's in the house of God You're going to find the strength you need Because you hear me There's coming a day If you ain't already been there there's coming a day that the wind is going to be contrary and it's going to antagonistically oppose your faith in God. And when you can't find the stars to plot your course, then you've lost the distance from land. And you don't know how far you're going in the middle of all of that. Next verse. And in the fourth night of the watch, that's very important. Because that was from 3 to 6 a.m., Brother Smith. The ending of the watch. They had fought through the night when they could not see nothing. Is there anybody here that would get honest today and say, I'm in a place in my life that I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't even know what today holds. I don't even know if I'm going to make it through today because my mind is so tormented. My, I'm worrying. I'm fearful. I don't know what I'm going. I don't, I'm anticipating something. And you're in the place of all of that. Watch. He said in the fourth watch, the ending of the night, Jesus said, I got to go help my boy. I don't see nowhere where they threw out the orange submarine, Brother Savon. I don't see them taking a, a, a floating device and saying, we better bail out. They held on and they toiled and they fought against the wind. 
They fought against everything that's saying, I'm going to take your faith. I'm going to take your family. I'm going to take your home. I'm going to take your kids. I'm going to take everything you got. I'm going to take everything you work for. God gave you the blessing and now I'm going to take it. The wind of the enemy is the voice of the enemy saying, I'm going to destroy your family. I'm going to destroy your home. I'm here to declare it's a lie from the enemy. If you stay on the boat, Jesus is about to come and pull you out. Jesus said right before the ending watch next verse and when the disciples saw him walking now here is the thing that just short circuits my brain this is Matthew 14 go back to the beginning I think maybe Matthew 8 he did the same thing. he's on the boat this time he didn't walk to him he's on the boat and he's asleep on the boat Now watch, I'm closing. Musicians, y'all come. That way they know I'm telling the truth. He said, he's on the boat. Matthew 8, I think, somewhere 8. John does it too. And the boat goes into a storm. This time, watch what he does. He gets up. He's asleep. They're going nuts because he's asleep. And they're saying, how can you sleep in the storm? He gets up and he speaks To the wind. One translation says this. Be thou muzzled. Something, an apparatus that's used to shut the mouth of something. You with me? The storm is many times the enemy's voice telling you what he's going to do. You're going to lose it. You're going to lose everything. You're going to lose your mind. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your this. You're going to lose that. You're going to lose this. You ain't good enough. You've made too many mistakes. And when Jesus got up out of his sleeper stumber, he got up. He said, be thou muzzled. Shut up. And the wind stopped. Now notice this. This is just this is free. I ain't charging you nothing for it. He spoke to the wind, not the wave. You know why? Because winds cause the wave. He went to the source of the problem. He didn't speak to the symptoms. How many of us has got symptoms? I got a symptom. I got this worry. What's the real problem? That's going on that God's after in my heart. See, if you and I just be patient and ride out the storm, he's going to step to it. He ain't going to just speak to your symptom and put a band-aid on the cancer. He's going to reach down into you and he's going to speak to the wind that's causing you the problem. And here it is. He gave them the beautiful illustration of, I'm on the boat and I control the wind. And now, he ain't on the boat. Can you believe him when you can't feel him? Can you believe him when you don't hear him snoring down below? Can you trust him in the storm when you know he ain't down below deck laying on a sack of flour? It's a whole lot easier to step up and go, oh, I got this down because you got a little Holy Ghost pistol in your pocket. You got, I got it all. God, he's there, man. He just, Jesus is on the boat. What do you do when he ain't on the boat? What do you do when you can't feel him? You can't sense him. I've been in places. I, listen, folks, I, this, this ain't, I, I'm not saying anything. I'm just giving you an example. I've been in places God showed me things, this, this, and this, and all this. And then I've been in times, Sister Kara, I could not see nothing. Oh, it's great when the prophetic moves. Oh, wow. Da, 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 da. Thus saith the Lord. Da, 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 da. And God confirms it. Oh, that's him on the boat. But what do you do when you're in the storm and the word of knowledge is silent in you and I can't see nothing? And the wind has literally got me down where he's trying to get us. I submit. I submit. I submit. And he told the boys, when he showed up and started walking, they were troubled, saying, it's a spirit. What's the deal? They couldn't even perceive him there. Watch. It's a spirit. And look what they did. 
They cried out in fear. That's a study inside of itself. They were very mystical, the Hebrews. They're thinking it's a spirit. I'll come back and teach on it another day. That's why they spoke out in fear. Because they saw something, but they couldn't identify what it was. And here's how God will come to you. Watch me. This is how he comes to you in the storm. He comes at first in an abstraction to see if you can pick it up. He didn't come just in a blaze of glory and fire and thunder. He came in an abstraction to see if they had the spiritual perception. What is all this for, Benoit? What's the point of this Sunday school lesson that I've heard since I was knee high to a grasshopper? I'm glad you asked. It's God progressing you and I to a place that we can perceive Him regardless of what you have tangibly. Does it make sense? We want the tangible. And God's saying, you're not getting the tangible until you can reach out in faith, Brother Ron, and perceive that and say, I'm even here. They couldn't. They cried out in fear. Fear. Next verse. And straight away she just spake of them saying, be of good cheer as I be afraid. Next verse. And Peter said, okay, Lord, I get it. Oh, Peter. Gung-ho, Peter. Peter says, I got it. Bid me to come. Next verse, Jesus said it. By commandment, he said, come. Let's see, boy. I'm preparing you because you got a Pentecost to preach. And I need a man that's strong. I don't need one weak, anemic man. I need a man that's strong in faith because you got to open the door to the Gentiles in Acts 2.38. And I need a man that's going to step out. Come on, boy. Put your mouth where your money is. That word command is an emphatic imperative. Come by commandment. Peter didn't have a choice because you see the purpose on Peter was God preparing him for what was down the road. And God's trying to prepare you. And God's saying, I need you to come. I need you to get out of the boat. I need you to get out of what's comfortable. I firmly believe that if they would have stayed in that, Peter would have stayed in that boat, that boat would have went under. They would have been just like Paul. Why didn't Paul's boat stay? It didn't. Paul's tore pieces. This boat would have went under too. But they acted in faith when they didn't even know they had it. Next verse. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. When he saw the wind. I could preach an hour on that one too. That's such a powerful scripture, Brother Mike. What are you seeing that's causing you to sink? (laughs) Yo, that's just good preaching, my Lord. I'm telling you, Brother Bushnell, how many times in living for God and as a preacher, I looked at things, and when I got to looking at it too long, I started feeling this. I got to, I'm not talking about looking at things that are unclean. I'm talking about I got to looking at the facts. At the end of the month, my checking account weren't what it was. I got to looking at a doctor's report. I got to looking at this, and I put my eyes on what man was trying to tell me, and Jesus was trying to tell Peter, when you step out with me and get your eyes off of that, put your eye on me, I'll bring you through anything and everything. That's the power in the storm. He said, when I saw the wind, I was afraid. You know what he's trying to tell him? He said, boy, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. The I am, Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah, Nisi, Jehovah, Rapha. I am God manifested in the flesh. And I created that water that you're walking on. And as long as you put your faith in me, you cannot sink. You cannot go under. This thing cannot go belly up. I'm telling somebody as you're standing with me right now. Your family cannot go under. Your home cannot go under. Your faith cannot go under. There's a power in the storm that as long as you and I keep our faith, in him he's coming keep your eye on him don't put your eye on the problem let me tell you how to avoid sometimes a storm you'll keep your eye on him I believe this I believe there's storms in life and marriages and homes and kids that if we would keep our eye on him better you could avoid a storm. But it's easier to blame the preacher. It's easier to blame the church. It's easier to get offended. Because we don't want to accept the responsibility 
that I gave up in the storm and quit. I done went to Medna. Told you it was on me already. Somebody needs to hear me. The closing statement was, Jesus picked him up. He gave him a rebuke. Oh, you of little faith. I was with you the first time. Why wouldn't you believe me for the second time? I saved you in the eighth chapter of Matthew. I'm going to do it again. Oh, you of little faith. But now watch. He brought him to the boat. And this part I love. Matthew doesn't say it. But I think Mark does. If he don't, John does. The Bible says that as soon as Jesus got on the boat. Watch this. He got on the boat. They're in the middle of the sea. The Bible says. And immediately, Sister Agnes, they're on the shore. What took them nine hours to get to the middle when God said enough is enough. It's over. And you're on the shore. God could multiply everything you lost. You lost joy. God will give it back to you. Multiplied, pressed down over and over. But you got to trust Him that there's power in the storm. Lift your hands all across this building. There's people in the storm today. Come on, lift your hands. Talk to him right now. Come on, you're in the storm. You don't know what your kids are going to do. You don't know what your family's going to do. You don't know what your job's going to do. You don't know what your mind's going to do. And God's trying to say, it's a storm I allowed to come. I'm just trying to get you to reach up and ask for me. That's all you got to do this morning. Just reach up. Ask for it. Grab the hands of the person next to you. There's people here today that are in the midst of a storm. I want you to come together as a family. Grab that hand that you got and let's all come together as a family. Come on, you have no guarantee for tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen with your kids. What do you say today? Together as a family, we say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I trust you in the midst of this. God, I'm looking at things that don't make sense. I'm looking and seeing things that don't add up. Come, 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 come.